the most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The People's Show. I'm Bick Nazar, coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.com. Matt running the show, Dom behind the glass as well, here on a Friday, chilly Friday. You guys keep it warm? Back there, heaters running uh, back there, parkas and toques are on back there. The hamsters on the wheel, yeah. The hamsters are on the wheel, keeping everything uh, warm back there. Uh, I, I woke up and I was like, I should just do the show from home today. It's cozy, but no. Brave the cold, head out, uh, be part of the people. Here on the People's Show. If you want to chime in, as always, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Plenty to get into today. We'll touch on the Russell Wilson story. Let's ride. They are riding right now with a... Massive piece uh, over at The Athletic. Russell Wilson so much feeling like he needed to tweet about it uh, as well. Uh, we'll. We'll touch on that later on in the show. Preview a little uh, footy over the weekend. Some massive matches coming up in the EPL uh, over the weekend. Plus the Carabao Cup final. Dom cheering already behind the glass. Fist pump. Newcastle. Manchester United. Getting ready to uh, get underway on Sunday. Carious back in a cup final for the first time since yeah. uh, the debacle with Liverpool. Yeah, at the uh, Champions League final. So we'll see how he looks in that one. We'll, we'll do a little preview of that. Uh, look at the Eastern Conference playoff race. Because there was a time here recently, uh, I even said on this show, Eastern Conference playoff race, kind of boring. Florida goes out, New Jersey goes in, and it's the same group of teams. You look today, Islanders are in a playoff spot. Detroit's in a playoff spot. Pittsburgh's out of it. Sabres are still clawing away. Washington's made some trades, obviously, uh, to maybe slip themselves out of it. But Ottawa's hanging around. All these teams hanging around right now. So the Eastern Conference playoff race, uh, a blast. We'll also connect with Randy Janda here in about uh, five to seven minutes as well. Color commentator on Sportsnet 650. He's also over at the Western Canadian Golf Expo today at the Tradex. Uh, we spoke to Joan Probert about that last week. If you missed it on the podcast, you can always go grab it. But Randeep uh, hanging out there at the Tradex, doing a couple of panels this weekend, today, and tomorrow. You can get more info at Canadian Golf Expo. Looking into what happened last night, doing the postgame show, a lot of anger. A lot of anger over the result. And we got a funny text in the show last night that got me thinking over the rest of the evening and into this morning. And it was essentially that all the people that are complaining about the win aren't hard workers. And I started laughing at it and I was like, okay, it's kind of a funny joke. But when you really think about it, there is some merit to it. Because if you're angry at last night, just habitually as human beings, there is a certain... 
relief in the idea of money won being better than money earned. And when you go through these elements in these games here and you pick up two points, that's players getting better and players efforting to get points, much to the chagrin of Team Tankists, and look at it and say, hey, this isn't helping the lottery, which we have a 25% chance at if we maximize our opportunity for it. This isn't helping our money won potential for the windfall, of course, but it is still potential. And at the end of the day, management can undertake tanking measures or roster management decisions and decrease the probability of victory. And they absolutely have already done so. Horvat's been traded. Demko timeline has been extended for his return. They've sent players down to the AHL. Look at who was on the blue line last night. It was Guillaume Brisebois, Kyle Burrows, and they were doing valiant efforts. But ultimately, when you look at the roster and analyze it and put it up against other rosters, you can all sit here and say, this isn't really as strong as the other teams around the league. There's going to be some games where it matches up. There's going to be teams like tomorrow, by the way, against the Boston Bruins, where it's going to be overwhelming in the opponent's favor. But it's the certainty of victory after a result that people are getting annoyed by. We're not talking about probabilities anymore. Yes, the management group has decreased probabilities, but when it's a past result and you know the result, what it looks like, out comes the anger uh, of a known quantity at that stage. And why do people get mad or angry? It's need and blame. And right now you need the idea of a high draft pick and what's impeding you. A result here and there. And out comes the, the outlandish remarks of players' efforts right now. And why aren't they losing? Because it results into... The idea of money won, not money earned. And right now, amidst a season with no winning expectations, aspirations shift and you're rooting this 25% lottery at best. And those expectations are so high. And you go back to, hey, I deserve this. When in reality, the lottery and in itself, in life, you earn what you receive. And last night, a couple of players efforting. Andre Kuzmenko efforting in a big way. Elias Pettersson making up for previous mistakes in that game, efforting in a big way, showing that, hey, putting the work in to get better, it needed to happen earlier in the season. No doubt, he's still becoming a better player before our eyes week after week after week into the tail end of the season on pace for 110 points. We talked last night or last year, JT Miller with 99 points, one of the best seasons in Canucks history. And Elias Pettersson's going to soar past that from a production standpoint and also get himself his contract, you hope, in the summer. But can he continue to put himself in a higher echelon of Vancouver Canucks seasons? That's what's, on, that's what's happening. And continue to do it as he gets into his age 25, 26, 27 years uh, here in Vancouver. Elias Pettersson continues to grow, as will the Vancouver Canucks, and still maintain a certain level of draft pick integrity into the draft lottery. Is it going to be 25%? No. Do I still think it's going to be somewhere in the range of 8 to 6.5%? Yeah. And I just don't get the anger over 2%. On Andre Kuzmenko, yesterday on the People Show podcast, if you missed it, uh, you can always go back and uh, listen to it uh, wherever you grab your Apple, Spotify, Google. Uh, we talked about Brad May. Usually we'll do it on Thursdays, but for our live listeners, if you missed it, uh, Brad had some uh, pretty good uh, 
thoughts on a bunch of things. Uh, we're talking about the trade deadline, obviously, as well. Uh, he got into some stories about uh, guys that have been traded to Vancouver and players who would fit seamlessly after a trade. But we also got to talking about the idea of a player getting better, working hard and improving like Andre Kuzmenko. And I talked to Brad about the idea of, you know, I was telling you guys on Wednesday, doing the billboard, which we'll do again on Monday, Kuzmenko taking the coaching, the teachings from Rick Talk and the rest of the staff and applying it and improving his game. Here's what Brad May had to say yesterday. Because we were talking about Kuzmenko's contract and should they have signed him to a two-year deal, why wouldn't they, you know, the conversation over the last few weeks was why wouldn't they trade that player for a pick? Well, at the end of the day, it's the National Hockey League. And the only way you can play and have a successful franchise and have good players, number one. Vancouver's lucky. I think lucky. I think they're very fortunate to get this player on that contract. And he, he's, he's meshed well with the, the Villiers. He's meshed well with Pedersen. And you need to have guys to, to look up to and chase that internal competition. Um, I do like it. I, I like this play. He's been scoring goals. The other player that's really made a difference is Connor Garland. Mm-hmm. He's playing like he did last year for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, you know, it, it's and, and Pedersen's been great, right? I love the goal where he set up Luke Shen jumping down the back backside. Yep. Um, it was against Philadelphia. The Philadelphia Flyers got puck watching because Pedersen's got such great hands. A couple spin moves. All of a sudden, he hits the back door. Luke makes an easy backdoor pass, and it was like tap-in goal. Um, that's all. That's all starts from the confidence with the puck, holding on to it, buying time in space for your teammates. It's not always about the guy with the puck. It's about creating opportunities for others. And I think that was really, that was a beautiful goal. And, and that's a great way to play. And if Vancouver can do more of that, they'll get, they'll find themselves in the wind column a heck of a lot more for sure. It's Brad May joining us yesterday, talking about a player who's getting better as the weeks go by uh, with Andre Kuzmenko. And uh, he was, uh, on on the spot last night, uh, scoring the goal that extended the game, uh, and uh, listening to Randy Janda call the game yesterday as well, who joins us now, color commentator here on Sportsnet 650. And uh, if you see him at the Tradex this weekend in Abbotsford, he's at the Western Canadian Golf Expo. Randy, how are you? What's going on, Vic? Oh, I'm actually... Hang on, uh, Dom wanted to play this. Oh, come on. I've never seen a fan base so excited over the least worthy cup final. All of England. Huh. Hey, man, I, I'm just hoping there's a Europa Cup final between Arsenal and United. Wouldn't that be a nice rubber match uh, after That'd the season? That'd be great. That'd be great. I draw the line at the FA Cup. Anything below that is not worth getting excited about. So, hey, I'm with you. Europa Cup, you know, that's cool. But Carabao, we can't talk Carabao. Uh, honestly, I, I generally don't really usually care about the Carabao Cup. But, like, once you're in a final, it's like you, might as, you might as well win it now. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. And like my team has starved for a trophy for years, but we're not we're not gonna stoop to the level of the Carabao. That's all I'm saying. Hey, we, uh, we're gonna preview Arsenal later on uh, today because it's a pretty good fixture list uh, this weekend uh, for the EPL. But we'll get into that uh, later on. Uh, Arsenal Leicester City tomorrow at seven a.m. Uh, all right. Yesterday, uh, an entertaining game because. There was some sloppiness to it, 
as the Canucks are going to have right now because they they have a bit of a reduced roster with Guillaume Brisebois in the lineup and Kyle Burrows and on and on and on. Sheldon Drys playing an eleva- elevator role, and yet uh, they still come up with two points, Randy. But I was kind of making the point earlier that there's some frustration over the results. I get it. And it, it, it's rooted in the idea that, you know, habitually, we we just like the idea of money won versus money earned. But right now, some of these players are going about earning it. And the fans' frustration comes in the idea of, hey, we just want to win a lottery right now. Yeah, when it comes to players and coaches, uh, even the coaches, if you look at the deployment, you look at some of the lineups, uh, I think Rick Tockett wants to see what's going on and potentially, yeah, you know, process over results. But guys, when it comes to the players. The players are not going to necessarily care about next season and Connor Bedard or a draft pick. We know that that's the way it works. You want to see growth from the right players at this time of the year. When the Canucks are in a situation where they're not going to be competitive uh, for a playoff spot, are the right guys stepping up? If you are winning, is it based on people that are a part of your core or is it based on, you know, individuals that are going to be here for the remaining of the year, or maybe they're at the trade deadline. I know with the Canucks on last night, specifically Elias Pettersson does what he does. He shows you that he can make a mistake, but he can rebound and he can prove a point where, Hey, he's accountable. JT Miller last couple of games has played really well. Andre Kuzmenko making $5.5 million seem like a discount already. And he just signed the deal to me. I know it's frustrating because it takes you away from those percentage points at the draft lottery, but are they the right players that are making those moves? Are they the right players that are providing that progress in their individual game? And that, that is the key for me here. So it's not, you know, I mentioned it yesterday as well talking to you. It's not Matthew Highmore scoring. This is not a, a fluke goal off of Yuho Lamico shin that goes in that gives us the win. These are character wins by character players. Understand it's frustrating, but this is also growth for some of these really important pieces for the team moving forward. Going to need you to uh, stop slandering my guy, uh, Matthew Highmore. You did it last night, too. Uh, and I, 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 Let I, it go, I, and the I, second time is not good enough here. I threw I threw my boy Lamico in there as well, right? <laughs> um, but just on the idea of, of, you know, like young guys starting to try to perform, uh, just quick impressions, it was Archer Seelovs, you know, another start for him. I thought last night uh, much steadier uh, from Seelovs. Yeah, I thought he played, you know, considering he didn't face that many shots through two periods, Mm -hmm. even halfway through the third period, you know, that's a very difficult situation to be for a goalie where you're sitting there, you're waiting um, five on five. The Canucks dominated when you're 10 high danger chances to one for St. Louis and the shot attempts were all in favor of Vancouver, which is a good thing. But for a goalie, that can be a difficult spot. And even that goal he allowed to Tyler Tucker, um, that's a last second, split second screen that Tyler Myers moves out of the way at the like right before the puck goes by Seelovs. So I don't even necessarily put that one on him either. But the most important moments for him were in overtime, where he was making saves in that you know moment where Ethan Bear gives away the gives away the puck, huge save there. He makes another save on Robert Thomas when he takes uh, Kuzmenko wide, and not only the first save but the second save. So. I thought given the degree of difficulty of just hanging out, you know, being cold for a, a lot of that night and then being pressed into action in the third period and especially in overtime, I like there is maturity in his game where you're seeing, okay, this guy's a mature goalie. He doesn't, you know, necessarily give up on the play. And I, I was impressed. It's a it's a difficult night for him because you're not getting steady action. But at the same time, sometimes, you know, that tells you about a goalie of do they remain focused? And Arthur Silovs was. Talking to Randy Jandy here on The People's Show, back on The People's Show. Uh, 
also last night, um, you, you briefly touched on Elias Pettersson. And here's the thing. It's like ultimately, uh, you know, we can talk about results and all this sort of stuff. But the best thing moving forward is people just moving forward. And Elias Pettersson continues for me to reestablish himself as one of the best centers in this league uh, so far this season. And then going into next season, I, I think this is a great conversation that he's going to try to push himself into like that top seven, top six centers uh in the league, and then you kind of put yourself in the top 10 players in the league if you're in that hierarchy. Yeah, the center position gives you that importance right off the bat, right? If you can be one of those guys, uh, you're generally automatically in that conversation of being one of the best players in the league. But you know what I liked about his game yesterday, and we've seen it more and more, it's that that leadership aspect. And I'm not saying yelling at guys or rah-rah. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the moment of that one nothing goal that Toropchenko scores. And we see that. He bites on, he makes a move, he goes hero mode on, on shorthanded, and it goes in the back of his net. But what does he do? After a, a pretty, you know, I wouldn't say shaky first period, but he wasn't at his best, he's motivated the rest of the way. He is, you know, in the third period, he's the guy that powers his team, especially on that shorthanded goal by JT Miller, to get back into that game. Just smart, intelligent play, understanding where the Blues are on the ice at that point, why he can, you know, make that play on, along the left-hand side. And then after that, Vic, you know, in overtime, just to, to want the puck where you're in that position to change the game. And you can see when he was winding up, there was only one thought on his mind with how much time was left on the clock. So to me, it's about, yes, he is so good offensively. When you put up 75 points in 56 games, when you've started to show that, A, you're amongst the best block, uh, shot blockers in the NHL, along with pass blockers, that's something that he's done really well this year as well is plug up those passing lanes from a defensive perspective, that tells you that, you know, he's trending in the right direction. So as far as top 10, top seven, yeah, he's very much in that conversation because remember we were talking about what's his offensive ceiling? When's he going to hit 80 points? When's he going to hit 85 mm-hmm. points? Uh, he's there, right? Give it as long as he stays healthy the rest of the way here, but he's looking at a hundred point season. So to me, now you start focusing on the defensive side, that uh, between the ears element, and it's all coming together at the right time for Elias Patterson. Well, I've also always wanted to see a certain selfishness to his game. And yep. look, we all want unselfish players, selfless players, but star players need that little bit of ego and that little bit of a desire to kind of take over that game. And you mentioned that OT play. Hey, wheel it up the ice, and you see that sense of desire in his game, but also 17 shot attempts. I'm okay if Elias Pedersen wants to dominate the puck and shoot it a bunch more. You can't be reckless with it, but even the 17 attempts, there weren't a lot of wasted opportunities from Pedersen last night. No, there weren't. And, you know, that want. And Rick Tockett's talked about you know, the leadership element of it, saying he wants Pedersen to be out there a little bit more. He wants them to lean into the leadership element. As far as I'm concerned, that's a part of it, saying, hey, the game is on the line or this, this game needs an X factor. Uh, I'm your I'm your game breaker, and Tockett's you know mentioned that in the past. Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are those guys, and JT Miller we saw last year do that in his 99 point season. I think there's moments where you can see that where he takes the puck on his stick and he's ready to go. He's going through the neutral zone, whether it's in transition. But Elias Pettersson is that guy, and a little selfishness. Even going back to earlier this year, I, I wanted him to shoot the puck a little bit more, and you're starting to see that now. So I, you know, I think this is more of a mentality of. Hey, after the Bo Horvat trade, there is, in a good way, I would say, a power va- vacuum in the sense that a leadership vacuum. Mm-hmm. And some of these guys are going to show that they're worthy of it. And Elias Pettersson, since that deal happened, 
has been saying, I'll do whatever the team asks me. I, I want to be more of a leader. Quinn Hughes has been saying that before the deal happened. So I think this is a part of it where, you know, the locker room changes and you're trying to establish yourself as more of a player. And that's exactly what you want, right? You don't want to limit your ceiling. So to me, you know, that selfishness is a great thing right now because there's been moments in the past, Vic, when we've talked about hey, rather than him passing there, I want to see him wire it. He's got one of the best shots in the league. So I'm happy to see those shot attempts up. And you can he's in that phase right now where him and Kuzmenko are going, but you can put him next to anybody and he's going to pick up his points. That's how good he is right now. The other noticeable person here recently uh, is JT Miller. I know he's always a hot-button issue for people because you know it, it can be demonstrative at times, and yet it can also look like it has been for the past uh, handful of games. And t- to be honest, it should probably extend it to pretty much the new year because going back here for uh, 22 games now, he's got 24 points in this uh, calendar year. Um, but they're saying... There seems to be a more directness to his game, especially defensively in the offensive zone, where he's trying to force uh, takeaways and causing problems for opposing defenders. No, I definitely noticed that as well. And I think the last two games were two of his best games in the last little bit here. Nashville, he was really strong despite them losing in overtime. And yesterday, um, I think as a team, they were excellent five-on-five compared to St. Louis, who... You know, Craig Bruby's comments were very spot on for me. That was a pretty listless team. But if you look at JT Miller's game and the way that he's been able to pressure in the offensive zone, it feels like he knows what the pressure points. He's been hitting them a little bit more, uh, being aggressive, taking the body. And I think the more we see JT play that game, you're going to see him. The production will come, and even the production right now, 54 points in 58 games, despite all the noise in this market about how he hasn't played well. And I understand the defensive side of things is going to take time. He's far from a perfect player. There's still some casualness in his game that at times make your roll your eyes saying, okay, you can't be that casual, you know, whether it's coming out from behind his own net. But Vic, when I look at that offensive zone play, uh, he's shown that he can be at the very least for this year, he can occupy that center role. I don't know about long-term. I still have questions about whether over an 82 game schedule on a winning team, uh, or a team that's competitive, whether he's going to be your center or one of your centers. But as of right now, he was challenged after that Bo Horvat trade to play well. And so far, he's been doing well, despite a couple of moments here and there. So to me, you know, I think this is a challenge to, to JT Miller as well to say, all right, this is your time to act. This is your time to occupy that role as, as legitimately a 2C. Show us what you got. And Rick Tockett has been pretty vocal in mentioning, hey, I don't want to see stick breaks. I don't want to see you guys yelling. Uh, stop doing that, essentially, to the group. But we know who, who one of the people, you know, probably that's been mentioned in that comment. And I think JT, as a, as a leader or as a veteran on this team, has taken that to heart. And, and you can see that in his game. He's looking like a complete player right now. And you just hope that consistency is in his game. they got a big challenge coming with Boston. So you see that against a good team in Boston. That's what I see. It's easier to do it against Nashville and St. Louis. Can you do that against the good teams and those real matchup problems that come with the good teams? Hey, you got a busy day today uh, over at the Tradex uh, Canadian Golf Expo, Western Canadian Golf Expo. Uh, you doing a chat with Nick Taylor coming up? That's right. So at 4 o'clock, actually half hour from now, Nick Taylor, uh, PGA Golf Pro, two career wins, of course. Abby's own. We're going to be chatting with him. And then a little bit later on, uh, 6 o'clock as well, I'll be joined uh, by John Stevens from the Abbotsford Canucks. So we're going to talk some hockey, uh, Darcy Rota as well. So if you're in Abbotsford, if you want to uh, make a trip out to the Valley, come out to the Tradex. Uh, I'm in the parking lot right now because I want to do this interview without any noise, guys. 
And I got to say, it's pretty busy out here. Oh, so yeah. come on out and uh, take in the Western Golf Expo at the Trade X. No, it's a massive event. Again, uh, tonight uh, till 9 o'clock and then tomorrow, uh, 10 to 4 uh, at the Trade X. Randy, appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. Cheers, boys. Uh, it's Randy Janda, our guy from Sportsnet 650, Hockey Night in Canada and Punjabi as well. Uh, you'll hear him uh, tomorrow there for the Canucks and Bruins, 4 o'clock puck drop here on Sportsnet 650 as well. All right, back in a minute on the other side. We'll get into a bunch. Russell Wilson, uh, the news today uh, that forced Russell Wilson to even tweet out at 5 a.m. or nearly 6 a.m. this morning. I love Pete Carroll. He was a father figure to me, and John Schneider believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All of us, all any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. I'll get into the details of what went down this morning after a report that Russell Wilson maybe tried to get people fired in Seattle. All in the way here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to The People's Show, coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.com. You can chime in as well, 650-650. Rager texting in. I was starting up the the show with a little talk about the, the draft lottery. Last night, and obviously the Canucks uh, getting two more points, not improving their odds. And I'm saying, you know, people relate more to money won rather than money earned. It's way tougher to go ahead and earn the money than it is to win the money, or in this case, in the NHL, get better, work at your craft and get better than it is to just win the lottery. And uh, Rage says, uh, yeah, I'd prefer to win $2 million lottery instead of having to work till I'm 65 to make the same amount. Look, I'm not saying the Canucks shouldn't win the lottery. It's a great benefit if they do. But we're talking about percentage points. And ultimately, the players that still reside in this organization right now have to get better themselves and earn their next opportunities, earn their next contracts, earn their opportunity to get better and establish themselves in the hierarchy of the NHL. So, of course, you'd rather win the lottery. But in general, people would rather just say, oh, I can win money instead of earning it and try to make myself better. And what happens? You know, like 65 70% of lotto winners end up losing most of the money anyways? Because you don't know how to deal with that, that windfall. Where if you establish the habits of actually earning it, different story. Are you saying uh, Jim Rutherford... W- wouldn't know how to deal with a first Lottery overall win? pick. Hey, it'd be a lot easier just to be like, go to the podium and be like, done, Connor Redard, than it is to caviar, houses, cars for everyone. That bill comes due eventually. Uh, 650-650. Keep coming with the thoughts, though. Uh, this one. Uh, <laughs> uh, where's Randy hanging out at the Trade X out in Abbotsford? Uh, please. 
at the golf expo. The parking lot. Absolutely. The parking lot. Uh, Nobody wants the players to tank. Terrible analogy. People actively want the players to lose. Every night on the postgame show, that's what's happening. They scored last night, and the angry face emojis we got last night in the inbox was, oh my goodness. Again? Again? People absolutely want the players to start losing some games right now. Uh, All right. Before we were uh, going to break there, talking about Russell Wilson, uh, back in the news again today. It has been a bizarre year for Russell Wilson. I don't know if anyone's had a worse year in sports than Russell Wilson. On top of the world, won a Super Bowl in Seattle, king of the city, all that sort of stuff. Losing, taking its toll, and Russell Wilson uh, wanted out. We know that much. Wanted out of Seattle. Today, over at The Athletic, Kalen Kaler, Mike Sando, Jason Jenks uh, putting out a piece uh, detailing uh, some of the fallout of how his exit in Seattle came to materialize. To the point that they go on to say that Russell Wilson was pushing for the dismissal of Pete Carroll and John Schneider and ultimately to get in his head coach now in Denver. Sean Payton was the idea for Russell Wilson, according to this article over The Athletic. Again, Mike Sando, who does uh, tremendous work from the Pacific Northwest, and Kalen Kaler as well, and uh, Jason Jenks. Ultimately, this is a reconfirmation of what already went down. There was a power struggle. Power struggles happen in the NFL all the time, and the structure of it usually goes owner, and then after that, it's up for grabs. Generally speaking, you want it to go owner, coach, GM, quarterback, because quarterbacks are essentially middle management. Captains actually in the NHL are essentially like that. Your leadership group is essentially middle management. You need to carry the message from the coaching staff to the players. That helps when you have a quarterback to do so and your captains to do so. And you still need to be able to listen to the rest of the workforce and say, hey, this is what the players are feeling, and you got to relay that message up top. When there's a power struggle and you start trying to disrupt the harmony of the organization, it's going to end poorly, especially when it's not like you're going after a second-year head coach, rookie GM or something. We're talking about future Hall of Famer Pete Carroll, who has won at the NCAA level, won at the NFL level, tenured head coach. It's one thing to go up against Nathaniel Hackett and get your way in Denver. It's different when you're going up against John Schneider and Pete Carroll, who have long-standing history with this ownership group. It's Jody Allen now, not uh, Paul Allen. Much different scenario than coming into a new ownership group in Denver and thinking you can get your way. And it, it goes on to great detail in The Athletic that they had clashed for many years, as we know, as they have the Let Russ Cook movement taken over and playoff failures against Dallas and Green Bay, not necessarily pushing yourself to thrive in those scenarios and really putting the shackles on Russell Wilson. Now, we've seen recently here, Russell Wilson may be going out of his way to thrust himself into an MVP conversation uh, in Denver, which never materialized, and 
kind of put a new spotlight on Russell Wilson of what type of quarterback is he is he going to survive here in the NFL. Go through this all, and this just looks like a guy who lost a power struggle to the point that he had to go and tweet today, love Pete, he was a father figure to me, John believed in me and drafted me as well, never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. All the respect for them and love for Seattle. See, he refuted it bright and early today, uh, before 6 a.m. And he is very popular for the no time to sleep hashtag as well. Uh, he tweeted uh, just moments later too. Focused on moving forward, best is ahead. That's what he's got to do. Deny, 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 and look forward for Russell Wilson. But that is a rough look right there. And he comes into this organization now in Denver. They make their coaching change. Sean Payton comes in. He had a power struggle with Nathaniel Hackett. Not even a power struggle. The organization handed the keys over to him, basically. It was owner, and then Russell Wilson was the next most powerful person in that in that organization. They go into detail as well. The year in Denver, quarterback coaches, his own office, and how he interacted with the team as well. That all is detailed uh, in, in this piece. And now Sean Payton comes in, and Sean Payton's already come down to lay down the law where he said, quarterback coaches, all this other stuff, no, we're going with the way we've done things uh, or the way I've known to have been doing things. Uh, so some of that will certainly change, and Sean Payton looks like he's winning the early power struggle in Denver. Try to get the Broncos back on track in a division that's uh, so tough. Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champions, uh, in your division, they're going to have to get that figured out. And obviously, the Vegas Raiders losing Derek Carr as well. Is is he signed in New York yet, Dom? No. Uh, Aaron Rodgers came out of his uh, darkness retreat yesterday. Right, but he hasn't said anything. No. This is like Groundhog Day. It now is. with Aaron Rodgers. Will there be. If he two comes years out of his of darkness. Jets, yeah. So if he sees his shadow, he stays with the Packers? The Packers. Is that? Six, six years of Packers. Right. Okay. Okay. Or uh, two weeks of Jets. Two years of Jets, yeah. Or two years of Jets, yeah. I wonder about Russell Wilson because he had success in Seattle with a coach who wears the pants. The grass isn't always greener, yeah. Right? He demands respect. Then he goes to Denver. He's with a coach. Sounds like Fredo. I'm smart. I demand respect. Yeah. But then he goes to Denver. You know, Hackett doesn't really command a room. And clearly Russell Wilson tries to they go into great detail of like the philosophies that they tried to implement some of it from green bay with nathaniel hackett some of it uh from seattle with russ and that there was even a story uh radio host and former broncos lineman tyler columbus was talking about um russ was doing audibles that were seattle words right i remember that and again it got brought up again today uh from the athletic and it's not a good look when you're like hey you guys got to learn what i was doing not what we're trying to do you're trying to recoach the past for people that weren't around for it. I just wonder, under a more strict head coach like Sean Payton, if he thrives. I think I think Russ is the kind of quarterback that needs needs to be held held in place. Like he needs direction. Certainly. Well, especially considering. You look. Look. Last night we we're kind of talking about as players get success, can they change? Russell Wilson, when he came into the league, was the most focused and refined and just followed along the playbook. And I don't just mean the playbook, the offensive playbook. Just He he followed the script. Success comes with it and new challenges come with it, how you handle success. I don't know if he handled success very well. To the point that he wanted MVPs, he wanted 
recognition, not just even respect. He wanted to, he, he's on a pursuit for greatness, which I respect and absolutely attempt it. But you kind of broke the mold as well. Like even Tom Brady is, I don't know if you saw the podcast with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. There's a long back and forth of like why they were so great together, all this stuff. You still need help around you. And the misrecognition of those helping you felt like what uh, ended this all. And if you weren't going to get MVPs, you, you made team success smaller than individual success. And you, you ended up losing this power struggle. That's Honestly, that's what this comes down to. And I'd like to see him take a humble pill. Honestly, I think he'll be good this year. And just go back to old I Russ. I genuinely think he'll be good this year. Yeah. And I don't even think it's about going back to old Russ or all that sort of stuff. He has serious functional quarterback issues that he has to overcome. Throwing to the middle of the field, how he sees the field. But I, I don't think he's washed. No, he's got certainly a, not. He's got a great arm. He's yeah. not going to be as mobile as he used to be, but he's got a great arm. Sean Payton, obviously, history of success with Drew Brees and shorter quarterbacks, and Russ is obviously a big fan of Drew Brees. I do think it'll work. It just might work in a 9-8 and eight season instead of Super Bowls and MVPs, all that sort of stuff. He might just be in the... Kirk Cousins range of Derek quarterbacks. Carr, Kirk Cousins, yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, he's probably just in that range. But uh, he's getting paid a lot, and they gave up a lot to get him as well. Bick Nazar here on the People Show, Mac running the show. Uh, other voice you heard is Dominic Shermati as well. Noted Manchester United fan. Uh, we're hyped. Sunday, 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 Sunday. Uh, Carabao Cup final. Yeah, we're going to talk a little EPL and a little footy here on the People Show. Newcastle. See Eric Ten Hag taking some shots over at Newcastle? Called him annoying. Oh, really? Yeah. It's pretty great. I love, you know, we just don't get this enough in North American sports. Like the mind game element. Yeah. Because you get days to prepare for these matches. Whereas, you know, hockey, and we'll hear from Rick Talkin in a bit. Uh, we have Rick Talkin audio. We do. We'll it's hear from Seven it. minutes long. All right. Okay, we got four minutes to get to it. <laughs> okay. Because... Things just fold into the next game, right? Like St. Louis loses last night. Craig Berube sitting there like, yeah, these guys just don't work hard enough. Basically, it was calling them entitled, but without saying that they're entitled. But it's it's internally focused because you just go into the next game. Canucks, yeah, you get a result, but you got to go right into Boston the next day. It just goes next match, next match, next match. Whereas soccer, you get like four or five days to sit and methodically think about what you want to say to the press and how you're approaching a match and Ten Hag calling them annoying for time wasting for time wasting yeah kind of a nice little pleasant shot and just try to get them out of their identity because they honestly like they're a methodical team and if you watch newcastle i like watching newcastle because i like defense they're really good of course you do they're really good though they're really good and they have unlimited funds of course sure but they haven't even really flexed their their financial power yet they're in the infancy of that but the idea that you can Call them annoying for time wasting, and the I just maybe just get them off their game going into Sunday and saying, "Time wasters, all right, we'll break the mold. We'll try to play a bit more inventive, a bit more creative, and see if maybe that breaks their identity." And United can try to take advantage. I thought it was great, great play, by Eric Ten Hag. Also, they'll be on their third string goalkeeper. Yeah, Nick Pope with yeah. the uh, calamitous effort. Uh, on the weekend. What about what a terrible with the handball head? Like, why are you diving headfirst into the ground trying to stop? The he ball? clearly just misjudged it. 
Clearly, very clearly. But yeah. I, I mean, like as it approached to him, because I think he thought he was gonna do a running header in that stage. Because because when you fall over, what are you gonna do? Your hands are gonna come out in front yeah. of you. And at that stage, once he fell over because he was trying to get the header right, he just wound up grabbing it. What's crazy to me is so they're on their third string keeper because Martin Dubrovka can't play against mm-hmm. United because he played for United on loan this season. So you have to go to your Love third it. string keeper, who is Loris Karius. Who, who infamously infamously soiled two goals, away. Two goals. Was it a Champions League final? Against Real Madrid, yeah. yeah. Against Real Madrid. So. Yep. I remember being at the bar and uh, celebrating every single one of those goals for Madrid. I understand it's the Carabao Cup, but yeah. the storylines here are fantastic. Oh, it's great. Uh, good EPL weekend as well. Tottenham versus Chelsea. Which club is in more trouble? Tottenham or oh, Chelsea? Chelsea. You think so? They've spent so much money. But they just hired their guy. It hasn't gone well. They've spent so much money number of players over the January transfer window. Graham Potter comes in from Brighton. I really like Graham Potter, and I think they're doing some good things. The results aren't coming, but it's just going to take some time here. I kind of think Tottenham might be in more trouble because this is the end of a potential regime. If they don't get top four, Harry Kane's gone. They still have Champions League to play for here. Right now. Yeah. But no English club got a result, a positive result, a, a win in the first round. They're all probably out. If they drop out of top four, Tony Conte's gone. There's already talk that they're going after the next Brighton manager right now. He's gone. At least with Chelsea, you can just retain Graham Potter, give him a proper preseason, and start to build this out. Tottenham, I think, might be in uh, secret trouble because if Liverpool get hot, which, you know, if they're out of the Champions League and they can rest some legs here and be a bit more uh, themselves, they can catch... Tottenham for sure. They're only down one nothing to AC Milan going home. Tottenham? Yeah. I still don't trust them to get a result. I do. I do. I the sneaky sneaky team. I kind of think Brighton and Liverpool might uh squeak out uh 4th place in the EPL and knock Tottenham out. Cuz Tottenham have 44 points, uh Liverpool two matches in hand at 38, so they can close that gap real fast. I think Tottenham, I'd be worried. Classic Spursy. They're doing it again. Uh, all right, we said we get to Rick Tockett. Uh, let's get to uh, the Vancouver Canucks head coach here uh, speaking today after practice. Uh, yeah, for Millsy and uh, Husey and uh, PD and even Bear, they logged they were heavy minutes the last couple of games. And, uh, you know, the travel is tough too. So I, it was more of a maintenance day for those guys. Jelly and not on the ice as well. And I know Thatcher said to us that he's hoping to back up tomorrow. Are you seeing it that way? Yeah, we just wanted to have the two goalies just for the short practice and have Dealey could work with uh, Clarkie before. That was just the, the plan. Do you feel like Thatcher could address tomorrow? Uh, we'll talk uh, about that. Uh, there's a possibility. But he's, like I said, he's close this week. Whether it's tomorrow or next game, he's going to be, uh, it's close. You've said that you didn't want to lean on your big guys so much in the last couple of games you have. Is that just situational? Um, well, I, I thought, you know, I, I like the way that we were playing. I thought there were situations where, you know, you want those type of guys in those pressure situations. Uh, but I also like our role players. I thought the Almond line has given us a little bit of identity the last couple of games. I thought they've done a nice job. Uh, you know, we're looking for a line to, to be a four-checking, you know, a momentum turner, uh, grind the other team's best player type of line. And I thought the those, the, 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 that, those three guys did a nice job. Outside of his father, um, what have you come to appreciate about Will Hannon, not just bringing yeah. his game to this level, uh, Rick, but leading the in the 
defenseman scoring. And you know what they say, if you don't notice him, he's probably having a good game. Yeah. He's been kind of un- not noticeable. Yeah, he's a little bit older, we know, and he's been in the minors and stuff. But, uh, you know, I've... I've played with guys, late bloomers, and, uh, you know, he's a puck mover. And, you know, I, I've actually kind of, I know even with footy we're talking to Sergey, he's, he's got some, some stuff there that we, we need here. You know, obviously, defensively, is something he's got to work on. You know, he's got to be a little bit harder with the puck, things like that. And But for me, uh, you know, there's a couple of buildings there. He's played about two or three games. I thought he's done a nice job. He's probably the antithesis of his dad, and you probably remember his yeah. dad being a pretty mean yeah. Work, right? yeah, I played against him. Yeah, he was a tough kid. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a, he must have got that from his mom. She must be the, the fancy uh, player out there. But, no, he's, he's, got, good, he's, got, he's got really good uh, instincts with the puck. That's good. And, uh, if he keeps holding his skills and he plays better defensively, you never know. He, you know he, can, he can pay the mortgage here in the NHL. Bruins still have a long way to go, but given how well they've played this year, I mean, have you teams seen a more complete team? Well, there's the model, like the way they, you know, Bergeron, Marchand, even when Char was there, they got Felino. Like they have a probably a lead, one of the best leadership groups in the NHL. Uh, coach's dream when you have those guys, they they clean up the mess before it gets to the coach, and uh, that's why they've won a lot of hockey games the last six, seven, eight years. Because you know, Pasternak and other guy, they they have great leaders in that room. They practice hard. Um, very rarely, very rarely they beat themselves. Um, so it's, it's, it's good to play teams like this because it's, you know, it's good for our young guys to learn from these type of teams. They got even better yesterday. Yeah, for, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Jeez, I know. Forgot about that. Yeah, well, no, they're, listen, they've just, they've just climbed the ladder again. I mean, they're, uh, they're going, you know, obviously they're, they're built for the Stanley Cup. I know we didn't play a ton, but what were your early impressions of Ratu? Yeah, you know what? I, uh, all fairness to him, like there's some situations. You know, we had penalty kill and power play, couldn't get him out there for five, four or five minutes. So, you know, that kind of sucked for him a little bit. But yeah, I mean, he's a. Uh, there's some stuff there. I, I really believe this summer is a big summer for him to develop him even more. You know, power skating. You know, um, I think he's got a good hockey IQ. Um, I think he's hard on the puck. But I think this is a big summer for him and for under our watch to develop him. It's there. You've talked about him potentially being a jack-of-all-trades kind of player. Yeah. Did you see some of those characteristics even in the little bit of ice time? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. And I think there's, uh, like I said, it's our job to develop him, you know, to get him in uh, good situations. And and like I said, these young guys, the summers are so big to, you know, how they're developing themselves. What's the thinking with Shen here in the week, yeah. the unknown? I mean, I obviously wants to get the rust off and then practice. Yeah. Is it practice and just Take it day by day? Yeah, for now. Yeah, that's just the way it is. I mean, I don't know there's how many days are left for the tread line, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, Shenner, uh, I, you know, I communicate with him all the time. You know, he's with our skills guy, so I want to make sure he's getting his reps in too, to, to be fair to him. But, yeah, no, he, it's, it's that time of year, you know, how their teams are going through the same thing. Right, just going back to the minutes that the big guys are playing. Are, yeah. you, are you not concerned about maybe wearing those guys down a bit? Can you, can you take them off the penalty kill and maybe? Like... Yeah, when I first got here, I, was, I think I told you guys that. But I, I don't think the last couple of games, you know, they're up to 20, 23, 24. Before they were 18, 19. So, and I think I said there's going to be some games, you know, they're going to play 25 minutes. Um, but, you know, yeah, I'm not playing them 24 every night, no chance. But you're all right. 
the wear and tear, you can't play those guys that kind of minutes all the time. Um, but for the most part, I've kept their minutes down. Um, I think it was just situational. We had some, you know, some some games there. We had to come from behind, and there were some big penalty kills. And uh, and it's also too. I, I thought you know, that that shorthanded goal got us back in the game. That was a work of beauty by the Millsy and uh, Petey. So. Is that sort of a work in progress, though? You've got to find other, you got to find out what roles guys are capable of playing before you can make some of those moves. Yeah, I mean, I got to put some lines out there in, in our defensive zone face-offs to see if they can do it. You know, can you know Dakota Joshua? Can he can be that guy? You know, I thought he's, I thought he's actually done pretty good in the penalty kill, uh, which is big for us. If he, we can develop into a penalty killer, um, you know, last minute of a game, can he get that puck out on the wall? Can Allman win a draw for us? I mean, yeah. We got to develop those type of guys because Nika can be a, a role player for us, you know, penalty kill. So yeah, that's why these games and I put them in the last couple of games where they've been in those situations. Just unfortunately, the other guys I had to lean on those guys a lot the last couple of games. What about Stanika? A lot of PK minutes last night. Does he, you know, he's a pretty versatile guy. Do you see him as a middle guy or in, in yeah, PK? yeah? I, I think it's big for him to be a PK guy for us. Um, He's got to fill out. He's a little bit light and, you know, frame. We've got to get him a little bit stronger like a couple other guys, you know, like Allman. You know, th- like I said, this summer's big for those guys. I really think there's potential with those guys to develop into role players for the Canucks. But the, like I said, the summer's huge for them. It's Rick Tockett, Vancouver Canucks head coach. After practice today, Canucks Central will break down some of those thoughts uh, moving forward. Some good stuff there on uh, Christian Lennon. Work on the defensive side and can pay the mortgage in the NHL. Uh, plus, uh, Thatcher Demko getting close as well. Maybe we'll see him tomorrow as well, backing up uh, for, against the Boston Bruins. Canucks Central on the way. Satyr Shaw, Dan Riccio, they break it all down here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.